Hello there, and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or a friendly fisherman, your fourth grade teacher, or your Aunt Barb. I'm Jill, and I'm here with Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Jill. We love answering your questions, so please send them to us at kdl.org forward slash stump or email us at stumpthelibrarian at kdl.org. You can email us your thoughts on our answers, too. We love to hear from you. Okay, I have a top of the podcast question for you, Liz, and it is, what do you think is the worst chore? Well, I would say it has to be bathrooms, like cleaning bathrooms, because it it's all the time. It never ends. That's true. Right after you clean the bathroom. Right. Exactly. Especially when you live with other people, like it's constant. So I'd say that's the worst chore. Yeah. Cleaning bathrooms. That's probably mine too, but I'm going to say taking care of my yard. Oh, well, some people really enjoy that. Well, that is true, but I don't. And we have the worst yard in the neighborhood. You do not. No, we do. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, uh, Okay. I don't like it, and I don't think anyone else in my family does either, and it's well, it's evident. Like cleaning in general. Like, I wish I was one of those people who were like, I love cleaning, and I am not one of those people. Yeah. What if we had robots that cleaned? <sighs> that would be amazing, 100%. That would be so good. <laughs> Maybe someday. Maybe someday <laughs> in the future. <laughs> so I have a great question today from Evelyn at Wyoming. And Evela asks, do fish get thirsty? (laughs) Isn't that funny? It makes me thirsty just thinking about it. I know. (laughs) I really love this question. So uh, I thought first we should talk about what does it mean when we're thirsty? Us, Mm -hmm. like humans. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we know what it feels like to feel thirsty. You get kind of like, you just need a drink. Your throat feels so dry. Um, But what is happening in our bodies when we feel thirsty? When our bodies run low on water, the volume of our blood decreases. But the salt and the minerals in our body, they stay the same. So that ratio between fluid and salt is wrong in our bodies, and our bodies don't work as well. Our bodies need water to transport nutrients, eliminate waste, lubricate our joints. So they just don't work very well if they don't have the right amount of water. So our brain will send a signal to our body that says, go find water. Land animals have these signals too. Go find water. So thirst is our brain's find water signal. Fish live in water. So they just wouldn't have thirst in the same way because their brains don't send that find water signal because they live in water. Sure. So if we're going to define thirst this way, fish don't get thirsty. But that isn't the end of my answer. (laughs) Question over. (laughs) Liz, do you think that fish drink water? Um, I think they do not. Guess what? Either way you answered, you would have been right. (laughs) That was a trick question. I know. Because some fish drink water and some fish do not drink water. Okay. So the balance, that balance between salt and water that humans and land animals need to have in their bodies to make them work properly, fish have that too. They have a balance between salt and water in their bodies. But fish have a problem because, like I said, they live in 
water. Water. Yep. So there are fish that live in fresh water, like Lake Michigan, that has not very much salt in it. And there are fish that live in salt water, like the ocean, that has lots and lots of salt in it. And the fish that live in those two different areas have to deal with the amount of salt or lack of salt in the water around them because they they take in the water that they're in through their skin. So then through the, yeah, through their gills and through their skin and some when they're eating through their mouth. So they, they're constantly taking in the water that's all around them. So they got to deal with that salt or lack of salt. Generally speaking, and there's some fish that are exceptions, but generally speaking, freshwater fish live in water that has a lower amount of salt than what they need inside of their bodies. So they don't drink very much water at all, or they don't take in water when they're eating. They're careful not to drink water or take it in. They don't want too much water in their bodies compared to the amount of salt they have. Do you know that that can actually be a problem for us too, drinking too much water? Yeah, It's just not something we talk about because it's a lot of water and most people don't drink that much water. Um, So freshwater fish do have uh, some adaptations that help them. I love animal adaptations. Me too. (laughs) Uh, They have large kidneys. Oh, okay. So kidneys in us and in fish help us get rid of all the extra waste in our body. For freshwater fish, water is the waste. Mm -hmm. They're taking in water all the time. So their kidneys are really large and it helps them get rid of all of the fresh water that they're absorbing through their skin. So they definitely don't feel thirsty because they're trying to get rid of water. Sure. So saltwater fish, they need less salt in their bodies than that's all in the water around them that they're absorbing. They actually drink large amounts of seawater to keep their bodies full of water. Oh. Salt water, yeah. They, they're drinking and drinking and drinking to keep their bodies full of the water part. So I still would say that these fish don't really get thirsty because first, thirsty means our brains say, go find water. And these fish do drink water, but they're in it. Right. So they're not having to go mm-hmm. and find it actively. They drink up all this water with the salt, but the salt is too much for their bodies. So they also have cool adaptations. Mm-hmm to be able to drink that salt water. We can't drink salt water. We cannot. We don't have any adaptations that allow us to do that. So we would get too much salt in our bodies and we'd still feel thirsty after we drink salt water. So don't do it. No. We're not a fish. I have that like taste in my mouth. No. Oh yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. It's kind of fun to have a little bit of that taste when you're swimming in the ocean, but it's, it's really icky to drink that. So how do these saltwater fish get rid of the extra salt? They have smaller kidneys, so they get rid of less water. So they try to keep that ratio of water to salt, right? And they also have this cool thing in their gills. They have special clusters of cells in their gills. And what it does is it collects the salt and then it just sends it right out of their body. (laughs) Does it make that noise? (laughs) I I don't think so, but it would be really cool if it did. No, they just just send that salt out as quickly as they can out the gills so it doesn't go into their bodies and then they can have that right ratio of salt to water so that they don't feel thirsty. So there are a few cool fish and they're uh, like salmon is an example that live in both salt water and fresh water. I know. Their bodies are really cool. They change to work both ways. How about that? I know. So when it's in in salt water, when the salmon is in salt water, it will drink lots of water. And when it's in fresh water, it doesn't drink at all. And its kidney function even changes depending on 
which water it's in. Super cool. Animals are fascinating. I know (laughs) they are. So to answer your question, Evelyn, fish don't get thirsty. They just are in the water all the time. Mm -hmm. They drink it if they need it, but they don't have that drive to go find it like we do and other land animals do. They're not carrying a water bottle around. No, they don't need to. No. They're just swimming in it. Nice. (laughs) Thanks, Jill. Do you also have a fact of the day I since you're on a, a roll there? I do, but it has nothing to do with fish. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. We're ch- changing gears. Changing gears. I have a fact of the day from this really cool book. We just got in a whole collection of these new books um, called Cultures of the World. And each book is about a different country. And the one I picked is the Philippines. And so these are really exciting books if you want to learn about another country. Also a good book if you're doing some research on a country. And oh, it has great pictures. It has it. good pictures, <laughs> and each chapter has a different, um, a different heading and a, a different um, focus. So it's a long, it's a longer chapter book, um, and at the end there is even some recipes from that country. So delicious, cool. and there's fast facts and maps and a picture of the flag and all the things you would need if you're writing a country report or if you're just really interested in that country. Mm-hmm. So here's my fact, and my fact is coming from the section on environment, and it is a point of interest. The Apo Reef Natural Park is a popular diving spot in the Philippines. It includes three islands, the largest of which is the Apo Island, and it's surrounded by mangrove forests. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mangrove forests are really neat. I just saw some for the first time in Florida. It's, they're kind of like magical, I think. They are. It looks like something out of a like a fantasy book or something. It does. When you're inside of them, it's so neat. So this is, sounds like a really cool place to visit. And there is a section in this book on travel. So if you're going to travel to the Philippines, come check this book out. Learn everything you need to know about traveling. And definitely, I think, go see this uh, natural park and see the mangrove That sounds forest. like an amazing adventure. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Thanks, Jill. Yeah. Liz, what question do you have for us today? Hi. I have a great question today. It comes from Berlin, who is nine years old, and she's from Ada. And she asked the question, how do lightning bugs light up? How do they light up? Let's let's talk about that. Magic? Um, uh, it is not magic. Oh, all right. <laughs> Though I like where your head's at. Um. For me, when I was thinking about this question, I always was kind of excited to see fireflies lighting up in the grass me too. because it means it's summertime. Yeah. We don't get to see them all the time just for a little short period. And for another, it means I'm probably up past my bedtime because, you know, it stays light for so long in the summer when you're actually up late enough. I'm I'm not a nighttime person, so. <laughs> but especially when I was a kid, like it was exciting to be mm-hmm. up in the dark. Um, fireflies love warm, humid weather, which we only have for a short period of time here in Michigan. Right. Sometimes it feels like a long time when it's real hot and humid, but it's really not. No. Um, fireflies are bioluminescent, so they give off light. Each firefly species has its own blinking pattern, and they use it to communicate with each other and attract mates. Did you know lightning bugs or fireflies, they are referred to both ways, belong to the beetle family? 
They have two. That makes sense. They have two sets of wings, so they have a hard outer set of wings that protects the thinner translucent set underneath. There are at least two thousand different species of firefly in the world. Oh wow! And they come in all shapes and sizes. They also have a unique antenna. So if you look at a picture, and there's lots of pictures of them online, but they have a serrate antenna. So it kind of looks like a saw blade, to, like the teeth on a saw blade. Okay. They're not just straight. They have kind of this jagged look to them. Um, so they're actually easier to spot in the daytime because that's pretty unusual for a beetle. Um, so if you're in the garden and you see a little bug that has antenna with, with that look like saw blades. Um, or <laughs> they also will tuck their head underneath their outer shell. So that is kind of a, a unique adaptation to protect them. Um, they like to eat bugs and slugs and other garden pests. And yeah, fireflies produce light by combining oxygen with a chemical called luciferin. It's an, in an organ under their abdomen, under their body. And the light organ is supplied with oxygen and produces the light. When the firefly stops providing oxygen to this organ on their body, the light stops. Since insects don't have lungs, oxygen is carried in through little tiny tubes called tracheoles on the firefly's body. Oh, They don't breathe like you and I do. Because they don't have lungs. I didn't know that. There you go. (laughs) So different species can produce yellow, green, or even blue light in various patterns. Oh, wow. Have you ever seen a blue firefly? I I never have. I saw some pictures of them. They're really cool. Actually, some species don't give off any visible light at all. Oh, really? And they're still fireflies. Oh. But for the species that do, it's a cold light that's super efficient. So when you think of a light bulb lighting up, it gets hot because it's producing all of that electricity. Yeah. But no energy is wasted by giving off heat in fireflies. So it's oh. it's called a cold light. Okay. Like so many other animals and insects on our podcast, scientists don't completely understand why fireflies are wired to give off light. Yep. The light also warns off predators and <laughs> it tastes terrible. <gasps> Oh, so that makes them less likely to be eaten by other bugs. Mm. Um, when another bug sees that light flashing, they think, "Ugh, that's going to taste bad. I'm not going to eat it." <laughs> that's funny. Um, in one species of um, firefly that I was researching, the, there's a the female of the firefly species actually mimics a pattern of another firefly. Like she doesn't have her own pattern; she just copies what she sees so the male fireflies flying around and she's down on the ground and she'll when they see each other and they start like blinking the same pattern then they're like okay we're gonna be friends so the male will come down and (laughs) she she eats him (laughs) that doesn't happen in all firefly species there's just you know this one species that that's her job so then she, she eats the firefly and then she takes so that that yucky tasting poison, it's like poisonous to yeah. other animals. She takes that and then she puts that in her own eggs so that they are oh. more likely to survive um, to adulthood. Oh, wow. I know. That is a cool <laughs> and creative adaptation. It really <laughs> is. So she's just looking out for her babies. Yeah, that's, that's fine. 
Good for her. Oh my goodness. So that was, I learned so much re- yeah. <laughs> researching this. Wow. So um, fireflies will stop flashing when exposed to light pollution. So that disrupts okay. the mating process and consequently we have fewer fireflies. Mm-hmm. So fireflies spend most of their lives in the larval and pupae stages. So they live underground or close to the surface for most of their lives. Some live for two years or more during these immature stages of their life. They're just in the garden, eating bugs, getting bigger. Um, the use of pesticides greatly affects them in these stages because they're in the ground and they're on the grass. Adult fireflies, the ones that give off the light, really they only live for a couple of months. Oh. That's a really brief part of their life. Climate change also negatively affects fireflies at all stages, throwing off their cycle as they mature into adulthood. Mm-hmm. But did you know anyone in North America can participate in a program called Firefly Watch, where you observe firefly patterns in your own yard for 10 minutes once a week and report your findings to the Mass Audubon Society. So this is a group that's going to study and track firefly patterns, even if your findings are none. You can sign up to do this even if you say, I watched my yard for 10 minutes and didn't see any. They will track that information as well. There's a link on the show notes with more information if you are interested in participating in that and counting some fireflies. And there's also a training video on that Mass Autobahn Society website, and it's two hours long. It's a really long video, but I did watch maybe the first 10 or 15 minutes because it talks a lot about what fireflies do and where they live and what their bodies are like. So there's a lot of good information right in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you are interested in firefly identification and finding out what's happening in the area you live, you can sign up for that program. And that is the answer to Berlin's question, how do lightning bugs light up? That was, I think... Did I just blow your mind? I I really... I really am mind blown. I think I wrote down like four things of what we learned today because I was so fascinated by fireflies. I learned a lot about them. I had no idea. Wow. I hope that our listeners are so excited about fireflies that they're going to go watch part of that video and become part of the Firefly Counting Society, yeah, Citizen yeah. Scientists. It, I love that. That website is really awesome because it identifies lots of different um, blinking patterns of different species That's and where cool. they live and there's maps to track where the different species okay so we'll show live. you like which species are around in our yeah. area yeah. oh man it's really cool i might have to check that out too it was fascinating That's very exciting <laughs> wow oh my gosh so i have a book to share with you today okay. too yeah but it's not a firefly book okay um, That's all right it's actually going back to your question oh jill and so, <laughs> so when we're looking, when I'm looking for our fact of the day, I'll just kind of go through our um, junior nonfiction in the library and just kind of look for something that catches my eye. And mm-hmm. this book caught my eye. It's called, Is It Okay to Pee in the Ocean? <laughs> That's the, a great title. <laughs> the Fascinating Science of Our Waste and Our World. And it's by Ella Schwartz. So I picked it up thinking, oh, there'll be something fun to talk about in here. But then I read the whole book because there was so much interesting information in it. So I'm not a big nonfiction reader normally, but um, this kind of was informational, but it was kind of funny, and I read through it really quickly, so I would recommend it. Um, It's organized into chapters 
including answering the title of the book and spoiler alert, it is okay to pee in the ocean. Oh, good. <laughs> the author really puts it into perspective when talking about all the animals that live in the ocean. Um, an 80-ton fin whale produces about 257 gallons of pee per day. Oh. And that's one <laughs> whale. Like, think okay. about how many whales live in the ocean. Um, she talks about how animal waste helps preserve ecosystems living at different depths of the ocean, like coral reefs. Um, the nutrients that um, they give off help other plants and animals thrive. So it's really an important part of the ocean. So then you think about one little person, it's not going to matter. No. <laughs> but there's also information about how our body produces pee, which is actually made up of, um, oh, what it's actually made up of, and whether or not you can just pee anywhere, that's a no, <laughs> especially not in pools. There's a, a section about how it causes chemical reaction with the pool's chlorine and disrupts the pH of the water. Um, that makes your skin and your eyes itchy and gives the pool that strong smell that's actually like waste from your body and like sweat and stuff like like interacting with that chlorine. Oh. That gives it that real strong pool smell. So, I mean, you're always going to smell a little bit of chlorine, but it shouldn't be so strong that it makes your eyes water. Okay. <laughs> um, and though we don't live near an ocean here in Michigan, it's still important to learn about how to help protect the Earth's oceans and animals who live there. Simple things like reducing plastic use and cleaning up beaches will positively affect this important resource. And that's true for our lakeshores as well. Yep. Um, the book also has scientific experiments you can do at home in each section to learn about kidney function, to learn about the salt in the water, um, to learn about ocean currents, and more. It also has some fun facts and trivia which is why I picked it up in the first place. Yeah. Like why cat pee smells as strong as it does. There's oh. a reason for that. Okay. Um, old uses for pee in history, oh. uh, such as mouthwash. <laughs> it makes you want to read this book, doesn't it? Yeah. And I want to read this book, yes. <laughs> there's a whole section about, um, <laughs> so this was a fun fact I was going to share with you. Um, lobsters shoot pee from blasters under their eyes to ward off predators and oh. they can control like the force of it coming out <sighs> like i imagine like our tear ducts like it was just it just shoots right out of them to help protect them <gasps> oh, from wow. attackers so i highly recommend this book is it okay to pee in the ocean by ella schwartz and you might find it in the nonfiction section of your library or you can put it on hold all you ever wondered about pee. Wow. That <laughs> sounds really great. It was a great book. Wow. You're, you're really bringing some great <laughs> stuff today. Oh my gosh, today. Jill, This is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> so what did we learn today? What did you learn today? I learned a lot today, Jill. I learned a lot about fish. I learned that um, salmon can go from fresh water to salt water and their body adapts because animal adaptations are fascinating, they and are. I guess I didn't know that before today. So thank you for sharing that. With yeah, me. you're welcome. I I also did not know that. Um, so I learned. I think the favorite, my favorite thing that I learned is that the each firefly species have its own blinking pattern. That's yeah. really interesting. That's a really interesting way to identify them. But I, maybe my favorite is actually that the lady one who just eats. <laughs> Tricks but, them down there to eat uses, them. Uses, you know, uses yeah, that. Yeah, uses that blinking pattern, yeah. It's amazing. Like, That's it great. doesn't just do it for, right. for entertainment. Right. 
That's terrible. No, she's using that. So yeah, yeah it was she's really very smart. Fascinating. All right. Well, I guess that's it for today. <laughs> Thanks for all your amazing questions and helping us to learn more about our world too. For more information or to send us your own question, head to kdl.org forward slash stump. Tune in to the next episode. You never know what's going to happen where we answer even more of our your questions. Huge and special thanks to KDL Programming Department, the KDL Marketing Department, and J.D. Delinsky for our intro and outro music. Thank you.